Sounds good. All right. Play the intro. Hey, guys. I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. <laughs> From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. It's been a long time since I screwed it up, but it's tonight. Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing pretty good. Summer's in full swing. <laughs> Take two. I had a lot more Take energy two. about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so let to let you guys know, we just recorded a podcast for an hour. And I hit up Instagram messages. Uh, we had a guest on that I called in um, where we had a little bit of back and forth um, Mississippi and Central Flyway banter. I really feel bad for him because he took the time to come on with us. And uh, super nice guy. Um, his name's Austin from Missouri. And it, at the end, we really agreed and honestly – had a great time talking to him. But it stinks because we lost all that. We're new, using new software. And it's going to make the whole experience better. We're going to be able to have some live live podcasts up on the new um, YouTube podcast channel. Um, we're going to be able to have some exclusive ones for the Patreon members as well, um, which we're doing that right now for the first time ever. So um, that's cool. we got some guys in here. And hopefully the rest can figure out how to get in there because I know we had some people messaging us trying to get in there. But anyways, so we're going to do take two on this podcast. The topic for tonight is 12 things for um, 12. It doesn't have to be 12. I said 12 in our title, but it's habits of a successful duck hunter. I don't even know how many we got, but it's close to 12. We got about 12 in there, so um, that will be the topic when we get there, but um, Elliot, you got any updates? I do. So this weekend was my, I've talked about it so many times. It's my very first, um, <laughs> HRC hunt test with my black lab Georgie, who I got from Chris Jobman, Flatlander Kennels. I am so privileged to know Chris Jobman and have a relationship with him because man, Chris Jobman of Flatlanders, he is like the man. And it's like, I'm having these issues and I'm texting him like, oh, here's how she did. And here's what she did wrong. And he's giving me advice on how to handle things. And it's like, man, what a blessing. What a blessing. He is such a great trainer and he's already helped me fix some things that need to be fixed. But Georgie got her first started pass and started as the lowest level of HRC. It's pretty easy. And so you have, you walk up there, you've got um, two marks. So one bird, a real live dead bird flies out of the throw it up on a thrower and someone shoots a gun and then the dog's got to mark it, go get it, bring it back. And so you do that on two different marks, two different places. That's it. That's all it is. Two of those on land, two of those on water. <clears throat> Pretty easy. The hardest part, honestly, is from the truck to the, what they call the line. That's where the dog is actually sitting and, st- and, and steadied. And that's the hardest part, especially for a high octane dog like Georgie. That is the hardest part. So we had never done it before. It was a great experience. Georgie got her first ribbon ever. She passed no problem at all. And so we're going to try to, I think we're ready to move up to seasoned next time we do it. But the whole overall thing was just a phenomenal experience. And 
And what I was telling Jordan is, guys, if you've never been to a hunt test, you should go just to watch it. Seeing all these dogs that are finely tuned, finely trained, physical specimens as far as dogs go. I mean, it's just like the most gorgeous athletic dogs that you will see all together. It's just, man, look at that dog. That dog is gorgeous. Look at that dog. It's, it's amazing. If, if you've ever been to a dog park, compare that to what you see at a hunt test. It's like going to a professional football game or a college basketball game or something where you're seeing these animals that are just obvious athletes it's it's a fun really really cool environment and i am not honestly i am not ribbon chasing i i don't care about that i want to prove to myself that i can get a dog to pass a finish test that's my goal so it was a great weekend tons of fun awesome yep definitely followed along with that you sent some marcos and you've been putting some stories and and all that kind of stuff. So super cool to see and glad Georgie um, was able to excel and excited to see kind of where you go from here on that. Yeah, I am too. We've got another test in June. We're going <clears> to, <throat> I was only able to run one of the two days. So you can do run a Saturday test and then a Sunday. So you, you can actually come out of the weekend with two different ribbons, a Saturday and a Sunday, but I couldn't do it Saturday. So I could only do it on Sunday. So I got the one ribbon, which is worth actually five points if, you, if you're keeping track of points. And they keep track of your points, and you need like, <clears throat> I don't know how many it started. I know in season you need 40 points to be considered titled in season. And, but you don't have to be titled to move up. Um, it's just a different set of a, a ribbon. I really, honestly, I don't care about the titled thing. I think it's more important if you're trying to, like, breed your dog or, or whatever. But Yep. Yeah, or if you're just into it, for right? Fun. Right, yeah. It's like uh, it's like you play a video game, you want or to pass if you're a level, competitive, right? right. right. <laughs> sure, sure. And I mean, I would like to. I mean, that's fine if we get the title. I just, I, I'm, I'm trying to prove to myself that I can self-train a dog to that finish level. That's that's important to me. I don't really care about you know Georgie's title. Of course, it'd be nice to say, I guess she's titled and finished, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a a badge of honor or sure. whatever, right? Awesome. Well, I don't have a lot of updates, kind of, you know, with with where we're at in the off season and and all that. Which it's it's coming fast. We got a lot of stuff we're working on. It's coming fast. Um, but you know, I have not been doing a lot of waterfowl stuff right now. You know, so. Um, but one thing I did want to touch on, I got a message from um, a guy on Instagram. His name's Evan. And so he says, what's up, man, fellow Indiana waterfowler? Elliot and your videos are one of the major reasons that I finally got the confidence to get out and try duck hunting for the first time. Anyways, I bought a sneak boat for the river with no real plans on how I'm going to utilize it yet. After re-listening to some of your podcasts and videos around the time you bought yours, and you've also voiced that you didn't know exactly how you were going to utilize it. Um, I'd be interested to hear how you ended up utilizing it this season. So he goes on, says some other things, mentions Elliot and his new boat as well. Um, hope your off-season projects go well. So thanks, Evan. First off, you know, thanks. Awesome. It's it's super cool to hear that kind of, you know, um, that uh, our videos and, and stuff uh, from the podcast as well kind of got you into duck hunting. Um, it's just honestly, that's uh, super cool to hear. So. I will say on sneak boat, um, for me, mostly I just used it kind of getting here and there. I did hunt out of it. I had like two or three iterations of blinds I built this last year and I actually took it off this off season. So I really wasn't too happy with my complete 
idea for the blind. It never worked how I wanted. I wanted it to be like collapsible, fold in and out. Um, just didn't happen. But I did everything from hunt out of it, try to sit in it like a layout boat, and you know, tried sitting on seats, all kinds of stuff. I really the hide wasn't good enough just to sit in it. Um, no matter what I tried with my uh, homemade blinds, maybe you could make one. You probably you can make a homemade blind that would be good enough, but um, I didn't. So not for lack of trying. <laughs> Um, but I think in the future, my plans will be, um, I saw four rivers has a blind that you, you can buy that's an attachment for their boats. I think it'd fit on my sneak boat. You can use it like a frame style where the panels sit up more vertical. And also it has a, that same blind can fold in and you can hunt out of it like a, a tr- traditional layout. So, um, but yeah, super cool, man. Hopefully you, uh, get out in the river more and and find some success and it's always fun i i'm a big fan of having a boat especially in our area where the river can you know really give you some good opportunities so um thanks for messaging in if you guys have messages from time to time um we pick them up and and uh put them on the podcast so feel free to reach out to either one of us on instagram yeah it's one of the best things about doing what we do is just commute, talking to other people, um, you know, and hearing from you guys. So, yeah, feel free. Feel free to hit us up with <coughs> comments. And if you're mad at Jordan, you can message him and tell him that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I do have to say again, man, I'm super disappointed we lost that that uh, little segment we had with, uh, with Austin, too. So, Austin, yeah. if you're listening to the podcast, I'm so sorry that we <laughs> that we wasted your time and um, but it's still cool talking to you and get to meeting you over the podcast. Yeah, and Austin, if you're interested so, in do... a freelance Sunstats account, uh, reach out to me or Jordan. We'll still came up with a free account. Um, sure. So if you're interested in that, we're, we're doing a lot of cool changes to hunt stats, I think. So if that's something you're interested in, reach out to us and we will definitely hook you up with a free account. And once, once that thing's hooked up as free, I'll forget about it. So it'll probably be a lifetime, <laughs> lifetime thing, <laughs> lifetime membership, man. Awesome. Alrighty, well, let's get a quick word from our partners, and then we will jump right into it. And again, I, I think I said it already, but the the podcast topic for tonight will be habits of a highly highly successful duck hunter. So, first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx, as Onyx has been a big help to me this year, this past season, um, and seasons before that. Getting permission, knocking on doors, finding a landowner, it's never been easier to go around different spots drive around in an afternoon maybe do it three four five hours um you're just going to different spots you see spots you want to hunt for the water laws in michigan it's actually it's a it's a it is a game changer i hate people using that term because it's overused but it has been this year because i was able to click on it right there get their information knock on their door get the yes or no and move on to the next one and picked up quite a bit more hunting opportunities that way so check them out guys on x and I want to tell you again about Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader System. It is the best hybrid jerk rig that's on the market. It's absolutely incredible. It's a new motion system where the ducks actually swim in a flock instead of in a straight line. So you can use four, you can use seven. You can continue to build them up and put 24 of them out. You can connect that many. You really can. Um, the most I've used is seven. I know the guys at Motion Ducks, what, Jordan, they were saying they used over 20, right? They, like That was their whole set. <laughs> there was a big number. Right, right. It's lifelike motion. It sets up in seconds. It's highly mobile. It's 
it's absolutely a game changer uh, compared to a jerk rig. So the product code is all caps, Duck Gun 2020, no space. That'll get you 10% off. Franker bag. So go and get that now. Yep. Awesome. Um, and we need to introduce a new partner for the podcast. So new partner for the podcast this week is Rogers and Final Approach. So super excited to have them on board. They're uh, you know uh, uh, they're going to be a big part of what Elliot and I do, and we're so glad to be teamed up with them and have their support and everything. And um, you know, Elliot, ha- Elliot, you're actually on your way to to go see them this week tomorrow. Right. Um, but I can tell you right now, I've actually uh, um, got some of the decoys in hand, and uh, you know, I'm super excited. One, you know, one thing I'll highlight is I'm super excited about um, some black ducks I got. They're fully flocked, um, but they're decoys across the board. Um, for what I got, um, are awesome. So, uh, did you have anything to mention on that? I do. You know, Rogers is not far from where I live, and the warehouse is only like 25 minutes, and the store is within an hour. And it's just been—it's something I've always dreamed of working with with Rogers and now Final Approach um, as well. It's—it's it's, honestly, it's a dream come true. So, we welcome them with open arms. Um, onto this partnership and it's gonna be like jordan said it's gonna be a big part of both podcast youtube channels so i'm just really really excited great great guys out there and can't wait to see the warehouse for the first time tomorrow and kind of tour it still you elliot (laughs) yeah so the um guys if you love what we're doing here and you want some extra content of both jordan's youtube channel my youtube channel and the podcast, you can come over to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting and you can help support us and get a ton of extra content over there. You're going to love it. There's all sorts of different tiers. And once again, we're doing the second annual hunt giveaway. Ask Matt Boshi if you should do that. He got in on one of the very best hunts <laughs> of my entire life. And now we're personal friends. He's actually in a small group with me now. So do you want to get involved in this hunt giveaway? And the only way you can get involved in the hunt giveaway is going to patreon.com slash freelance hunting. Sign up. Every single month you'll get more entries into the drawing. And we've got a lot of new cool ideas that are going on. Things we're going to do at Patreon. And it's also tied with hunt stats. You can get a free hunt stats account once you sign up to Patreon as well. So go and check that out. Actually, I just saw we got a new patron a second ago or someone upgraded, Tom Markley, which is a good friend. So awesome. Go over and check that out. You will love it. Awesome. Um, also, like to give a big thanks to Tetra Hearing. Uh, guys, Tetra Hearing is the hearing choice for Elliot and I. Um, super cool on their design and the way it protects your hearing. You're still able to hear the sights and the sounds. Well, you're able to hear the sounds of duck hunting, whistling wings, the ducks quacking, your buddies talking, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't cancel out that. They've designed it where those wavelengths don't get canceled out. But when someone fires a gun, boom, or or loud quacking right there in the blind, it'll cancel out those noises that will give you hearing loss over time. We all know duck hunters older duck hunters that have lost hearing over time and you know it's it's no fun for them and it's no fun for us when you're trying to communicate so um guys make it a goal of yours to protect your hearing it's something that i've personally had to make that choice because it's easy to neglect but later on you'll regret it so check them out guys tetrahearing.com 
Alrighty. And then one last, one last thing I want to mention, guys. Um, make sure to check out our brother podcast. We got um, the Outdoor Limit podcast and we got the NVM show. Those are both buddies and friends of the podcast, both Elliot and I. Um, and if you need more waterfowl content, you've already consumed all you got from, from what we put out. You know, jump over there. You will not regret. Um, those guys are outstanding um, outstanding duck hunters and friends as well. So check them out. All righty. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, the podcast. So, Elliot, you ready for this? I am ready to go. <laughs> fresh habits fresh. of a highly successful duck hunter so the first thing i got is scout 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 and you know um there's three different levels of scouting there is your internet scouting there's the boots on the ground and then there's hunting i mean hunting is a form of scouting you hear people say a hunt scout or or something like that but um the more your scout the more ducks that you'll get on so um you know, from time to time during the off season, I'll just get a whim and I'll click on Onyx, open up the map, and I'll just start scanning around. As you should see my Onyx. Honestly, I've had to like trim back and go in and thin out. I have so many pins. I'm like, I can't even, I can't even see anything. But um, it is something that I obsess over to do my map scouting. And then you got to go to those spots. You got to check them out. You got to get your boots on the ground, um, and then you got to hunt those. And it just comes down to doing all three of those. Um, and the more you do all three, you're going to have more success. And I really think you need to define yourself for yourself. What is successful? What is your goals of being successful? You don't want to set your expectations too high. If your goals is to average five ducks a hunt, you're not going to do it. So are you okay with a couple ducks a hunt? Are you okay with hunting five times a year and just having fun with your friends? What do you consider successful? Really what we're talking about here is becoming as competent a waterfowl hunter as humanly possible. And Jordan and I both have ways to go in this. We don't consider ourselves, you know, the best duck hunters in the world or anything, but we're trying to come up with ways to be the best possible duck hunter that you could be. And that means enjoying what you're doing. That means having success with what you're doing. But like I said, define what that success means for you before you really think about these things. And for me at this point, um, it is I define success for myself in really one way, and that's shooting as many ducks as I can in isolation away from everybody else. That's what I consider really, really successful. But that may, and that may be different, different for you. Um, but like Jordan said, how much time are you willing to spend thinking about what you're doing, thinking about what you need to improve on? Um, scouting on the internet. When we say scouting on the internet, we're, we're not trying try, talking about trying to get people to give you their honey holes. We're talking about on X. We're talking about Google Earth. We're talking about learning new places. How much willing time are you willing to go out and get your feet on the ground and, and just really learn the sport? Um, are you eating up with it to the point where you just can't get enough? Or, you know, so the time spent is going to go a lot into. Um, how competent and successful you are. Yep, definitely, definitely would agree with you and all that. And and you're right. Everybody's uh, success is going to be different. Some people it's just number of birds, but you got that extra kind of criteria of of being out in wild places. And um, I'm I'm that way as well, you know. But maybe not to the extent that you are, mm -hmm. um, partly because of opportunity. But uh, 
you know, and I, I've hunted with guys where they're they're fine uh, if we're killing birds and we're in an urban setting. You know, that's not my favorite. I will try to avoid those places, but you know, um, <laughs> I've, I've I've gone on those hunts. So, but it does not feel as successful to shoot a limit um, and maybe an area like that compared to being out where you feel like you're in an urban area or not an urban, a wild area. So definitely right. can agree with you on, on, right. on all that. Elliot, my voice is going because we're, uh, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're like two hours in, but right, right. <laughs> you want me to do another one? Anyways. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the next one I got is knock on doors. And, and again, this, this does have some, um, you know, it's not for everybody because Elliot, you don't knock on doors at all and you're a super successful hunter. So this habit doesn't apply to you, but a lot of areas it does. So if you're 100% public land area, you know, that's not everybody. But for me, I am not. I, I do love my public land hunts, but I, I enjoy shooting ducks on, um, you know, private land as well. So knocking on doors and being good at that, I would say, is a habit of a highly successful duck hunter. And, you know, kind of to explain that, you know, Michigan's water laws, if it's a public lake, you still have to have access from that farmer if you want to butt up against the cattails or the woods that, that goes onto that lake. You have to knock on doors to get that permission. So, um, you know, that's been a game changer for myself in the last year. The number of doors I've knocked on, the number of yeses I've got, um, has 100% increased my success as a duck hunter. And um, being able to put your best foot forward, go up there, have a good conversation with the landowner and get that yes. Um, and just, you know, just not being fearful. And um, there's so many times where I'm like driving around, I'm like, ah, oh, there's no way they're going to say yes. Or, ah, I'm really going to waste my time knocking on the doors. Just, just stop and just drive by. Drive out of the way 10 minutes, go to their house. Find them, knock on the door. Some people will have no idea what you're even talking about. I've, I've had farmers that are almost confused, but then you talk to them about it. Um, and you can have a positive experience. I have a farmer at one of the places I have permission. He gave me permission. He's like, hey, but if you shoot something, um, just you know, give me a duck. I don't even have to be home. Just throw it up on my porch. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, you can. I, I will I will give you some of the meat that I harvest if, if that's what it takes to to get permission, um, to have access to where, to our hunt. But, um, so anyways, all that to say, knock on doors, um, get some more yeses. And it, it is 100%, um, a habit of a successful duck hunter. And I will say that I would be more successful if I took your advice and did it. I'm Lee. I hate knocking on doors cause I'm by nature an introvert, but there's a lot of good farm ponds in my area and you've been at me to go do it. And if I did it, I'd be more successful. There's no, there's no doubt about it, especially because there's times where these birds go nocturnal and a lot of times during the day they're on farm ponds. I know they are. So I need to, I actually need to take your advice and improve on that. We've been talking about it for a while. So, um, another one that I had, uh, written down is diversity of equipment and tactics. And this may, some of this is kind of, you have to just build this up over time. It's very difficult if you're just starting out to do this. Um, but my goal, and we've been doing this for 30 years, and my dad and I have been combining our stuff. And if I'm being honest, he's bought a bit more, more of it than I have. But it's having everything I need for every situation. If we need to shallow marsh hunt, do we have what we need? If we need to big a lake hunt, do we have what we need? If we need an A-frame, I've got that. I've got everything that I need 
to tackle all the situations. The, the worst place I would be at right now is Fields. Um, I would struggle with that. The, but other than that, having pieces of equipment that can get done what you need to get done in, in every situation. And some of these things, like I've got layout blinds that I have not used that I've not used, period. I've got two, in fact, that I, that I bought and they're waiting. And I promise you there will be a point in time when they get used. And when I need them, it'll happen. So try to think about all of, learn your area, learn the types of hunting you need in your area and make sure that you can be, you can adapt to each situation. I've got, I've got a project going now that I'm going to make a video about that one of our struggles has been how do we hunt ice shelves? How do we hunt icy rivers in shallow water? And I've got a, it's really hard to hide in those, but I've got an idea and I'm, I'm, so I'm still doing it. I'm still trying to figure out this is the gap in my game is when everything freezes up and I have to got to get on the, the river and I've got, and all I've got is a sandbar with ice on it. How am I going to hide? That is the hardest hide possible. But I've now, finally, I'm like, okay, I think I can do it. I think I got a way to do it. So it's constantly trying to, <laughs> to, because when we do it in the past, we do one person at a time. And we've done that multiple times where one guy shoots and lays on ice and the other guys watch. Well, that's not, we can be a lot more effective. We can get three shooters on that deal. So just adapt and be ready for every situation. I need, I want to cut from our, uh, um, going through my list real quick, Elliot, and answer that question. Cause I have an idea on that. So we're going a little rabbit trail here, but, um, one thing I did this year that I've never done before is, um, it's a combination of things. Uh, you know, a lot of people in fields do like all whites for hunting geese and they'll just lay on the ground on all whites. Like I've done that, um, for the first time two years ago and we killed birds, like finished flocks in the decoys, <laughs> um, which is crazy. Right. And so the second part to this is, um, for the first time this year I did where we on snowy fields, we hunted in a frame, a frames with white covers, no brush at all, right. white covers. And then you wear all whites and hide in there. I 100% think that if you did that on ice and had a, a, a frame with the white cover on it and everybody was wearing white gear that you would finish flocks right in your decoys. And that's actually, so. that's actually the idea that I'm going to, but I'm going to take it a step farther. I'm going to take that HTRA frame. And I'm going to cut it down and I'm going to make it lower profile. And uh, okay. Honestly, I think we did talk about yeah, that. We probably did. So I'm actually going to, I'm going to make a little video about it. I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut it lower in the front than in the back so that you can sit on short <laughs> stools and I'm going to have a little cover over the top and it's just going to be all white because not, I, I know that I know this will work. And the great thing about it is like the problem we got into last year, and this content was actually on Patreon. This is the only place you could see it, is that we drug in an A-frame, a regular A-frame on that last hunt. Did you see that video, Jordan, where we drug in the A-frame? I don't think I did. I'll have to go it find that It was the one. last hunt, the last hunt of the year. So you must not have got to it. I know you were going through the, the videos. But um, we were with Jason, the little slayer. But we, we drug in, dragging an entire A-frame in can be a lot because they get really, really heavy. And so... Like Jordan was saying, with with just the snow based A frame with the white cover, it's super light. So I'm making a small light A frame, shorter in the front, taller in the back, all in white. Be super light. Drag it in the sled. I, I you're right. It's gonna. I probably I may have gotten that idea from you actually because you and I were talking about it and that you had done that. <laughs> I'm gonna give you credit on that whether you deserve it or not. But yeah, that's what all that's right. that's the deal. I'm gonna cut that A frame down. Nice. Alrighty, back to the list. So, um, learning from your history. So, learning from your hunts and being able to kind of track that and um, learn from 
everything you do. So we go out on hunts, countless hunts a year. I mean, 50 plus hunts a year. Um, and you know, if you're just going and doing it willy nilly, and we all got people we hunt with that are just kind of there for, they're just there for the ride. They kind of do whatever. Um, but for me, it's like, you know, you got to learn from every hunt you go on. And, um, you know, a lot of this, you know, kind of come, I'm almost rethinking it when I'm saying it, but a lot of this, you have to almost be like making some of the decisions and, and, uh, and doing some of the stuff for yourself, especially if you're a new hunter, get into that rule where you're make you're the one making it happen. So, um, and you know, the best way to, to do that is just learn from, learn from your history and get out there, you know, maybe even on solo hunts and, um, because nobody else, if you're on a solo hunt, nobody else is going to be placing the decoys. Nobody else is going to be, um, calling the shots. Nobody is going to be, um, calling the birds. It's all on you. So, um, you know, get out there and learn from every hunt you go on. Yeah, that, that's definitely a really good one. Um, my next one's about calling. I would say a couple things about calling become as co- as competent as you can possibly become by practicing. Um, maybe get to there's certain guys online. I know Ducklander calls will do this where you can actually call on there and people critique it and practice it. But the, I think the biggest thing about calling is knowing what your limitations are. I'm not as good a caller as like Jake from chasing green is um he's really 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 competent and so knowing your limitations and knowing when to not call um there's a lot of guys in the marsh that don't know the limitations and just blow over blow a call and there's a lot of times and you just need to shut up and don't call and be quiet so get as good as calling as you can get Know your limitations and and be honest about yourself as far as your skill level, and then know when not to call. And I think some guys from the, sometimes. Nope, I'm gonna stop myself from saying that. I don't want to say. That. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is we should do more hell hell calls on public land. No, know when <laughs> not to call. Because I have I have been in. I can think of a hunt in particular where there was five other groups in the marsh and they were all hail calling. They weren't hidden enough and they were hail calling. And that is a recipe for ducks circling, 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 leaving. And the only person that shoots is the guy that'll shoot at 80 yards. And so you have to know when to just zip it and not call. There's lots of days where, you know, you don't need to do a lot of calling. They're locked in. There's times with their, if their wings are set and they're heading right to you, you can do more damage than, than good. I mean, you got to realize you are focusing their eyes on you when they're in close and you blow that call. So just know when to shush. You ever heard Matt call? Yeah. Yes, I have. (laughs) Elliot lagged out right in the perfect time for a joke, but um, I guess I'll have to edit this one out. Sorry. Lost you for a second. Last thing I heard you say was, "Have you ever heard Matt call?" Have you Have you ever heard Matt call? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elliot's shaking his head. All right, moving on. Um, the next one I got is obsess over obsession, and if you're obsessed over duck hunting, you are going to be a better duck hunter, and it is what I eat 
breathe and sleep 24 7 so i was on our mind elliot we're, ellie and i are wired the same way where it's like we almost wish that we had an off switch but there's just not one it's just you're always thinking about it you're always thinking about the next time how you're going to prepare for it little off-season projects or big or big off-season projects um but you know to be 100 percent obsessed over it so we all we all know guys who are like that who just constantly think about it and that's you know if you were obsessing over something you're going to be better at it Alrighty, fellas want to take a quick moment here and tell you about dirty duck coffee um it is my coffee of choice i've been drinking it almost every morning and it is awesome i've been going with the sun's up guns up colombian supremo but they got tons of different options for the duck hunter they got high velocity caffeine roast they got first flight french roast they got dark dynasty and some other options as well. So make sure you jump over to their website, guys, dirtyduckcoffee.com. Use code DUCKGUN15. It'll get you 15% off, and it'll help me out as well. So I appreciate that, guys. Go over there. Check them out. You won't regret it. Alrighty, let's go ahead and jump back into today's podcast. Here's an interesting one that I put down. I, actually, I listened to an old podcast of ours where we had this argument about being able to judge distance. And I was talking about how people suck at judging distance. But I do think this plays into it. It's like people who are naturally good at judging distance. It's so funny because I want to actually make a point to you about something that you said in a podcast of ours I listened to, which you're not even remember it. So I'm like, I was listening to it and I'm like, no, this is what I should have said to you, Jordan. Anyway. Um, but people who are naturally good judge of distance are better shots. They're, they are better at being more efficient with shooting, they're better at wounding birds because if you can gauge, okay, that's 40 yards, that's 45 yards, that's 35 yards, if you're good at that, then you're going to more cleanly kill your birds, you're going to lose less birds, you're going to be more efficient, you're going to waste less shots, so your pocket is going to spend less money on it. So I think being a natural... You mean, you meant to say better at not wounding birds because you said better at wounding birds. Yeah, I'm sorry. just to clarify. Thank you, better at not wounding birds, better at, yeah just doing a better job of being more efficient and, and and just being a competent shot in general. That's something that honestly I've had to work on a lot over my career. I've become, I've gone from a below average shooter to, if you look at my shooting percent above average, but a lot of that's just my shooting shot selection. But I mean, that plays into it. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm left eye dominant. So I have to shoot with one eye shut. So it's something that I've had to actually work on. I've had to work on shouldering my gun properly. I've had to work on looking down my barrel. I've got to, you know, so the whole patterning your gun, all of that, all of that around shooting and gauging distance and just become as competent at pulling the trigger at the right times and cleanly killing the birds that you shoot at as possible. And that takes work. That takes effort. Yep. And I'll kind of add on to that. And I, I had one and I'll just, I'll just add it, tack it onto the end of this one, but it's make the most of ever of every opportunity. And that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying. You know, if you're a good shot and, and you're killing the birds, um, then, then you're, you're making the best of each opportunity, you know, especially on some of the hunts that I get on where it's like, you know, it's not a target rich environment, right? You're going to have a few come in, in the first couple hours of the day and that's really it you know um you got to make the most of those opportunities so and i and when i say that i don't mean like hey 
uh, these are the only birds you're going to see, so shoot them at 60 yards. That's not, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, um, when when they come in, you know, make sure that you um, have that killer instinct. You know, right when they come to the decoys, you're up, you're on them, you're shooting them clean, uh, you're not missing, and you're making the most of your, your opportunities. Because if you, you know, in Indiana, we have a four mallard limit. I mean, if you have... If you have uh, two or three groups come in, like, and, and you're on your A game for shooting, you can limit. You can finish your limit of, of four mallards in those groups. And you know, I, I have days like that where, where I'm like, man, I missed a couple shots, and I'm not going to limit because it, because of it. So it's it's making the most of those opportunities. So, and then to move on from that, um, I will say that another habit of a highly successful hunter is is not being one-minded or not being stuck with your original plan, um, being willing to make those moves. And I'm a huge fan of making moves, and it grinds my gears when I hunt with people who don't want to move. Um, but if you see something's happening and um, like all, like all you have it happen once, you have it happen twice, it's like, man, for me, I'm like already thinking about like how can we make – how can we get in position to to make that happen uh, with those birds finishing our decoys? Uh, maybe you have birds finishing on the opposite side of the pool, or or they don't want to finish towards you. They're two hundred yards, and, and then they just keep wanting doing that. It's like there's a reason they want to do that, and um, I'm all for trying to pull them. But once that doesn't happen, that doesn't work. You know, don't be stuck in that mindset that you have to make this work you know no do what the ducks want to do go go where the ducks want to be um you can lose a couple groups and get over there and then the birds that are gonna work in after that you know then you're in position so i i mean i have countless maybe not countless but i can definitely think of times where we made moves and it was great you know, uh, actually, I just made an Instagram post today about the hunt with uh, the, the me and Josh went on on the collab uh, in Kansas a couple of years ago, and we started out in the morning, and we killed a couple birds, and then after that, every bird wanted to drop um, 250 yards away from us at the end of the pool, and that happened like even while we're killing birds at first light, I saw birds dropping in over there, um, and then it happened once or twice more. I'm like, hey man, we got to move, and Josh was all for it. We grabbed the decoys, we paddled down there, set up again, and we all but shot our limit. We lost one bird. I count that towards my limit, and that was, I mean, we, we had our limit. Besides that, we had, um, I believe it was three three green wings and, and all the rest mallards. So uh, it was a great hunt, and we made the move, and that really, I don't think we would have had, uh, I think we would have had half the birds if that, if we didn't make the move. So um, making moves and the right moves. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And this ties right into my next point, though. You have to make absolutely certain that the problem is not your concealment. Because if the birds are landing over there and you think it's because that's where they want to be, it might be because you're not hidden well enough. And getting hidden properly is one of the easiest things to neglect in waterfowl hunting. And it's one thing that I constantly have to try to do better at because... I get kind of lazy sometimes and the ducks have to make me do it. So, cause there are days where ducks are dumb. And so sometimes like, yeah, I think it's good enough. And then you can tell they're skirting the decoys and you add on a little more brush and it's still not quite good enough. And then, you know, by nine o'clock now you're fully, fully hidden and, and 
killing birds feet down. So sometimes I have a bad habit of like the ducks make me do it. But before you make that move, like Jordan said, make sure that you are fully concealed head to toe. Make sure you're not looking rubbernecking yep. around. Um, and, but because there are times where you make a move and you're like, Oh man, I don't know if we should have done it, but I'm, I'm with you on the move in part. I, Sometimes it's like with the 20 minutes in the day, like, well, might as well do it now. I know we've got to get it done. Might yeah. as well do it now. So, and, and to add on to that, sometimes my move is to move, you know, five yards, 10 yards back further in the brush. And I, and I kind of picked that up from you, mm-hmm. you know, hunting with you. You're like, Hey, let's, let's just back up into the brush, especially when you're just kind of like, um, free hiding. You don't have a blind. You're right. just kind of, um, natural, natural vegetation. You're tucked up in the weeds or whatever. If you're right on the edge, you know, it's a lot easier for them to see. So my, my thing I always say on it, it's a, a net positive gain. You move back five yards into the brush. Well, you're five yards away from the decoys, but instead of them flaring out at 35, they finish in the decoys right. at 20. Right. So you're at 25 yards instead of shooting birds that are flaring away at 35. Yeah, and don't be, and don't be afraid to reset your decoys because I don't know about you guys, but for me in the dark, everything seems so much farther away. I've had this goal for the last five years, and that's to set my decoys out too far in the dark, and I've yet to accomplish the goal. I don't know if that's just me, but it's like, oh, my gosh, those decoys are so far away. And the sun comes up, you're like, oh, man, they're like 15 yards. So we try to step it off. We try to actually step off to the spinner. How far is it to the spinner? And I do that every time now because it's just it's a difficult thing. So, you know, don't be afraid to get out there and and make those make those changes. Whose turn is it? Mine or yours? (laughs) <laughs> I've lost track. I think it's yours. Back and forth. So, um, making good connections in the waterfowl community that can, what I call your calling tree, which anymore now it's like text, but um, developing people that you can trust that, that hunt your same areas that you can share information with. This is so valuable unless you can just scout all the time. And I, I can't. I can't do a lot of scouting. So, I've got a few people. And in my notes, I have I have written down making safe connections because you've got to be very, very careful because if you're going to get information from people, you have to give information to people. So be very, very careful who you let into the circle of people that you share information on. But the more people that you have to trade information with, um, the better. And the better you're going to do as long as you pick the right people. But it, it, this is a huge asset to have a calling tree of people that you can kind of I've got guys that I talk to all well. Jason and Little Slayer are like this. I talk. We are texting on a regular basis during hunting season, and then after hunting season, we just don't hardly talk at all. And I genuinely <laughs> like him. I, I genuinely like him as a person. That's just our relationship. You know, we hunt together about three times a year, but we're constantly trading information. And uh, it's just it's, so having those types of relationships are really really good to have. Definitely, definitely can agree with you on all of that. So, um, and the last one I got is to hunt more and this kind of goes without saying, but, um, you know, the more you hunt, the, the better off it's going to be. It's just something you got to get out there and, and, and do it. You just, you just got to hunt. So, um, you know, all the guys that I know that are really good hunters hunt a lot. So, um, that's kind of the, the one I want to wrap it up with a bow on that you got you got anyone any any more to add to that elliot uh work on your weaknesses just be honest with yourself about what you need to improve on and 
and get out and to improve it. And that ties right back into how much desire do you have to full, to excel at this sport? If you have a, a lot of desire to excel at the sport, these are the type of things you'll do. But, but again, it's what do you define as successful? The average guy hunts yeah. three to five times a year. So for him yeah, being successful is having right. fun with his friends. And a lot of these lists do not pertain to people that all they want to do <laughs> is have fun with their friends. This is really like for the people that are ridiculously obsessed with the sport of waterfowl hunting, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, it comes down to if you want to shoot more mallards in a year, you know, uh, one a, a good option is to hunt more. Right. But if your uh, if your um, if your idea of success is to mentor your nephew, then it's going to be very different. Your your whole season is going to be very mm-hmm. different. It's going to be a, about making his experience good. You know, bringing snacks and and uh, making sure he's warm and and making sure that. Uh, he's in a successful hunt and that you're not hunting too long, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we could do a whole podcast on that, but you're right. You can take all these with a grain of salt. And, and, um, my, my, uh, whole thought on this is it's, uh, we're speaking to people who want to shoot more birds in a season. Right. So, they want to become um, more competent at the sport in every which way they can. They really are trying to have more success and, and harvest more birds to put it on the plate. And right. Awesome. Well, I am tapping out, guys. <laughs> this is this is episode two of the same the same one. I almost feel like the first one went a little more went a little smoother, but um, you live and you learn. We got this new software, so stay tuned, guys. We'll give you updates on it because we're going to actually be able to do some um, live video ones and uh, some exclusive ones on Patreon as well. So we're both pumped about this. Um, you'll just have to deal with it. You'll get to hear live without the edits. Uh, Elliot lagging out, you know, two to three times a, a podcast yeah. and um, his fuzzy video, video feed, but <laughs> all in good fun. So anyways, last last words, Elliot. Uh, I really don't have anything. I just appreciate all of you guys on here. Remember the Duck Gun Podcast YouTube channel. We're putting out short clips. So if you're driving to work and you just want to be able to listen to short two to seven minute ver- clips from our podcast, you can go to the Duck Gun Podcast YouTube channel and check those out. It's just a, a more convenient way sometimes to um, listen to the podcast. Awesome. All righty, fellas. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Ellie from Freelance Duck Gunning, and we'll see you guys on the next one.